Welcome to That Pond Girl Podcast. I'm your host, Sonia Wixom, aka That Pond Girl. Today, we have a very special guest, our first guest, and I'll let her introduce herself. Hello. I like the Pond Girl. I was really kind of- that Pond Girl. That Pond Girl. Okay. Because you are that Pond Girl. The Pond Girl was taken. So I had to do all the social media. Okay. So I am the Cindy Martin and really not that exciting, but I'm here- to do this with you. Um, been out on a property this morning walking around, so I got to sweat a lot. It's a nice little break. Yeah. Any yeah. properties with water? I don't have any right now with water, which is interesting because I've had water. And How long I, have you been managing communities for? I think if I added it up on LinkedIn, I think it's 15 years. Oh, okay. That's so, so how did you get into community management? I was working for a homeless shelter and they shut down. They had to start cutting back because of uh, the economy and donations were dwindling. So one of my network people that um, I was had met through that industry had a friend that said, oh, my, they have a management company and they're looking for somebody, blah, blah. She said, you need to go. And I was like, okay. So at that time I went in with my notebook portfolio of all the stuff I've done. Mm-hmm. And, uh, cause I worked in the construction industry for a little while. I worked in the drill shaft industry for a little while. And I also did events. Okay. So, so I went from tool fluffy stuff to tools. So that's kind of my, kind of my thing. And they, he hired me uh, John Ross hired me right on the spot. Oh, nice. Yeah. And I know from previous conversations that I knew about the construction, but I didn't know about the homeless. Yeah. Yeah. I worked for a homeless shelter. Yeah. Oh, so like, that's like helping people on a very real level. It was very strange. Mm -hmm. Um, because I learned a dynamic of life that a lot of people choose to just live homeless. Mm -hmm. And they would come to the shelter if the weather was bad. There was a certain, if it dropped below X amount degrees, you could come in, Mm. the weather was bad. And we only could do so many. And of course you could have a, uh, you had a, everybody got a background check, but if you had something like with a gun or a knife, you weren't allowed in. And then I met these guys and uh, I would see them quite a bit. And all of a sudden I didn't see them for a while. And then they started coming back again. And I looked at them and I was like, where have you been? Mm -hmm. And they were like, we're just living the life, man. And I go, well, I was actually worried because you were consistently coming in. And I said, so don't, and I said, don't think people don't care. Yeah. And um, I traded books with some of them. One of them won some stuff at Christmas and just gave it to me because he had no need for it. Yeah. So it was kind of funny. And then my, would this be irony? Um, group of homeless and they had to go out during the day so they could only come in at night. Yeah. And then we had a program where they would uh, get help if they needed it. And then also go through some counseling to get onto a work program, to get a job, to get a housing voucher, uh-huh. you know? Uh, but I had about four homeless guys show up with a homeless puppy they found Aww. and they brought me the puppy. Is that your puppy now? Because they knew I could find a home for the puppy. So uh, my husband's co-worker's mom has her and her name is Lucy. I don't know if Lucy's still with us because it's been 
been a yeah, long time ago yeah but um over 15 years yeah least. so homeless guys homeless puppy and then i get the puppy so yeah wow yeah and so now you're helping people in a different capacity yeah yeah, yeah. what do you uh what do you like about your job now currently i'm i i've got i love or for the past 15 years it doesn't i mean i always like working anything. with people and trying to solve problems i mean even um community wise uh is one aspect of it as a manager and then sometimes depending on what you're managing it can get on a more personal level mm -hmm. and i managed a condominium community a while back that um had a lot of older folks in it mm -hmm. and i had a lot of fun because uh they were i got to know a lot of them I and mean, it was nice to just stop and carry some groceries in for somebody or yeah check on somebody or um, I mean, it's a community yeah for a reason. Yeah, yeah it is and i'm still connected with a few of those folks uh just because that's i guess that's just my nature yeah and uh yeah so i think it serves you well too i mean i like to say it takes a friend to be a friend yeah you know yeah and i think that that's the same with work yeah. place too i mean you want to go to work and like the people that you're with and right they, you, you know you keep hearing all about um the environment that you work in or the culture mm, which is the new yeah. buzzword it, is. it very much is and it's kind of funny because you know your culture at work and your culture in your personal life you know you have things that have to balance mm -hmm. so i think you do have to find that right niche yeah and that right group of people to work with and sometimes it takes a little bit of time do you feel like you're there now i think i am yeah Good. in fact i was just talking to a co-worker um yesterday and i said oddly enough for the bizarre journey my life has had coming into this industry this is the most comfortable i've ever felt but it could be with me too just because i've been doing this for so long it's just a good time in my life yeah well and i keep hearing now that i just turned 30 i keep hearing like 30s is when if you, you really say that know yourself. one more time i'm gonna Four. slap you on 40 is podcast. when you really know yourself 50 is when you really so it might be just also you're just knowing yeah. who you are and and Four, 40s were the best time of my life because i was single <laughs> sorry jim and a little crazy yeah but um well that's where I, you know yeah. um well that's yeah that's later 40s that's when I met him but um you know 50 was good I think you finally get to the point where you know how to say no you know how to draw a line in the sand and you're comfortable doing it mm -hmm. now is that for everybody yes no I don't know but you know I think I'm at that point in my life now where although it's I hate to say I'm pretty black and white but um, now when it gets to those moments, I can be black and white and be comfortable with it. And then just say, nope, not doing that. Yeah. Yeah. Boundaries. Big boundaries. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. To be able to say no is a talent. Yeah. I'm not there yet. Mm -hmm. Maybe someday. You will get there. Yeah. yeah. Let's talk about water. Mm -hmm. So you mentioned a little bit earlier that um, there's a lot of things that when you become a community manager that you don't necessarily know about water, but that mm -hmm. you need to know. Can you give me some insight into, it doesn't have to be in order or. Yeah. I mean, water. when I started working and had ponds that 
became a common area of responsibility and finding the right vendor to take care of the ponds and then just spending time with them learning about what they do and the algae and what's healthy and what's not healthy, what's, um, you know, uh, adding color to water, adding um, nutrients, time of year to do things. Uh, and then the nasty, dirty word of dredging, because yeah. I had a community that thought, oh, the city's going to do this, but mm. all their waterways were their responsibility. And it was just an ugly truth that you, they needed to start saving for a rainy day because that would come about. Mm -hmm. And that's something that I think more people need to understand that. And then I'm really a fan of reserve studies mm -hmm. and putting things in there, especially if you have water, that there's a dredge that you're probably going to need to do at some point in time. So yeah. start saving for it now, then have to do a special assessment or something that's yeah. outrageous. And what I like to tell people, so coming from New York to Texas, where everything's man-made here, mm -hmm. all the water bodies everywhere eventually fill in or they fill in mm -hmm. slowly. Yeah. But it's increased with human activity and mm -hmm. in the DFW area where we live, there's a lot of human activity, mm -hmm. like a lot of construction and then a lot of just people doing mm -hmm. things. And so with these ponds that are natural, they're not there. They haven't been there for forever. Right that's an increased rate of filling in. Yeah. So what I like to tell people and what they probably don't want to hear is that all these ponds need to be dredged eventually. Mm -hmm. um, especially the ones that have been sitting for 20 years and now are having a lot of problems, but it should be a regular maintenance it schedule. It really should be. And what I think is interesting is that communities get sold on their a lot of times oh we have a pond but when in reality it's either a detention area or a detention or retention area it's really not a pond it's actually a functioning system for running off water from higher ground mm -hmm. and keeping control of that and keeping that the trash picked up monitoring that it's a little different and when it gets really low that's what it's meant to do. Mm -hmm. And it's not really a um, aesthetic portion of your property. Sometimes it's a functioning working portion of your property. So how do you address that with people that are complaining? Well, I mean, I've been in areas where the water gets really low and, you know, they, they are upset because maybe they bought their home to look at the water, you know, mm -hmm. things like that. And I have to just be very honest with them and just tell them, this is the facts. This is what this really is. Mm -hmm. And this is how it's going to be um, in its existence. Cause that's what it was meant to do. And sometimes it's ugly. Yeah. Hate to say it. Yeah. Cause you know, after rains, there's always the trash that flows through um, and it's flowing through. Like I said, when I tell people that it's a trickle down, then they're like, yeah, but there's that big Walmart up there. And I was, mm -hmm, yeah, all that water's got to go somewhere. Yeah. So you're teaching people about watersheds without using the term watershed. Yeah. Yeah. So all the rain that comes in this area yep. needs mm -hmm. to go someplace mm -hmm. and we'd rather it not be in your home. I like that one. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Because the reverse, if, if the ponds needs to be dredged and they're not dredging and then we get big rains, like we had a couple of weeks ago, mm -hmm. that's not good Yeah. for any homeowner near that pond. And then there's also the luxury that there are some ponds that um, really perform well and you can stock them mm. and 
have kind of a, you know, you can have fit, catch and release programs and, you know, have fun with kids, yeah. your kids and stuff. But, um, you know, I've even learned about fish. <laughs> <laughs> Do you like fish? Tell me your feelings about fish. I like fish, I, but I mean, um, how to set up an ecosystem. I worked with a, a developer that I learned quite a bit from and he was putting a stocking a pond together and it wasn't only get, reaching out and getting with the fish guy but um you know you have to get the tiny fish established and then you know they're going to grow at x amount of rate and then you know who's going to eat who and then before you can really get like the big fish in there yeah if you just throw big fish in there because you think that's what you should do mm -hmm. they could starve and die i mean that's just hey do you want to draw that pond because you explained that really well. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it all a lot of people don't get that. No. They're no. like, stock me with some sport fish right now. And yeah. Like, well, they actually won't survive. Right. Be wasting right. Life. And uh, yeah. And then I've had, oh, wow. I did a thing years ago with the infamous cattails. Mm. And uh, there's the group of the homeowners that are eco and, oh my God, you can't touch them. You can't cut them down. You can't do this. And there's the other side that, oh, they attract bugs and snakes and mosquitoes oh yeah else, and yeah. i keep i always want to say do you remember sixth grade earth science maybe it was fifth grade and how the circle of life works or maybe just go back and watch the lion king because <laughs> you know uh i there will be scorpions there will be spiders there will be mosquitoes there will be ducks there will be snakes majority mm -hmm. of snakes in texas that you may run into are harmless especially the poor rat snake that gets the worst treatment oh, yeah. and then somebody kills it thinking that it's a horrific whatever snake and i'm like well that snake was around your property because it's eating mice and it's doing what it's supposed to do and it's very rare that you'll see them mm -hmm. but you know i was going to schedule a um there was a guy i found in houston the houston area that actually was starting to come to homeowner annual meetings to tell people about snakes oh, yeah. and how they actually just like possums not pretty no but they useful yeah extremely mm -hmm. useful so quit picking on possums people that's you know another what's one crazy is that the number one driver to our blog is about snakes there was an article that someone or a blog post that someone wrote about in 2014 from pond medics mm -hmm. and it's still it's getting clicks today about snakes. Oh, I don't doubt it. I mean, I was out at a property um, and it was a water moccasin that mm -hmm. was up on a rock and it had a frog in its mouth. So it was just as uncomfortable seeing me walk by and I was had to, it took me a second to figure the whole thing out. And I yeah. was walking with some board members and um, one of the board members, super nice guy, he said, don't move. And of course, growing up in the country, I, I know that tone and I know that don't move. Mm -hmm. And uh, yep, there was a water moccasin, but its mouth was full and it was getting away from us as fast as we yeah, were getting away from it. Yeah, he was trying to enjoy it. his lunch. Yeah. <laughs> Poor little frog, though. The back legs were just kind oh, no. <laughs> It was over. Yeah, it was over. Yeah, there was no rescue in the frog. Man. None whatsoever. If you could give a new manager that's new to DFW advice around water management, what would it be find a good contractor find somebody you click with that you can learn from i've learned so much from so many great people that 
I've had the privilege to meet and work with. Mm -hmm. And even if I don't work with them, or maybe they're not my contractor, but I have an opportunity to just get to know them. Everything's fascinating. And, you know, I think the big thing is that construction is fascinating. And if you just stop and take a look at everything that's going on around you, mm-hmm. if we didn't have that, we wouldn't have a lot of things we have now and yeah. ponds and water and where it goes and how it goes is just as much as streets when you put in a new community mm-hmm. and yeah, it's pretty interesting. What's your opinion on landscape budget versus water budget? Landscape will always be high, mm-hmm. but the problem is you get the landscape contracts. Everybody wants the Highland Park experience for a Walmart budget, and it's just not going to happen. And one community I worked for, which I thought was great, that had a well. Mm-hmm. That's when I learned a lot about wells is that my landscaper had well experience. And one day I got the landscaper, the well guy and the pond guy. We all got together Mm -hmm. and we walked the area and wanted to, how do we help each other? Yeah. You know, how do you three work together? What, what, you know, who do I call? If I see X, Y, or Z. Yeah. Cause it's frustrating when you ask one of them and they're mm-hmm. like, oh, that's this other person. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. But, um, I think it's really critical to, if you're a landscaper, let's do landscaping, pond maintenance, do the pond maintenance. I like to make sure my contractors know each other, or at least have some type of relationship. I don't like finger pointing. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, as far as budget, I mean, pond maintenance is less than landscaping for the majority of communities I've had. However, the reserve study portion of it with dredging and all that, mm-hmm. you know, there's always a bigger column yeah. for a pond than an irrigation system and landscaping. Yeah. And what I like to explain too, is that I know that the budgets are skewed, mm-hmm. that landscape, because they see it every day, right. And yeah. they want to make it beautiful. That's like, what really sells some homes is, is when they drive around and they see, Oh yeah. Like versus the water. But what I try to remind people is that the same growing that's happening in your landscape is happening in your water. Mm -hmm. You just can't see it until it's a problem and it's an expensive problem. Yes. So trying to keep managers and community members like mindful of like, even though you don't see what's going on, Mm -hmm. there's a lot going on. Yeah. And you might, you might get burned by that mm-hmm. once or twice before you learn, mm-hmm. you know, that, okay, maintenance is important or getting a vendor. Maintenance, if I could say anything, anybody, maintenance contracts are your best friends and they will be your community's best friends. And, you know, when a community is brand new and shiny and not Still showing by anything, the developer, <laughs> get those contracts in place, yeah. keep them in place have your uh, contractors come to board meetings to meet the board when that finally gets established. Or if you do have an established board, get to know who you're paying money to. And if your contractors don't want to come to board meetings, they don't need to be your contractor. I kind of feel that way. Yeah. I don't think I've had one contractor I've worked with. Now I've had a few that were frightened. (laughs) Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, board meetings can be a a, terrifying Especially, um, you know, getting someone to an annual meeting, because if it's a large expense, 
you know, sometimes you may engage with that homeowner is at the annual meeting. That's it. Because mm-hmm. mainly if everything's running good, nobody's got any concerns. Yeah. But then something, some hiccup happens or somebody sees something and, you know, that annual meeting sometimes is your only point of contact. Yeah. And having a homeowner who's, you know, paying the assessments see, okay, this is, uh, you know, Hey, meet my, well, meet your landscaper, meet your pond maintenance person, meet your well maintenance person. Mm-hmm. It's pretty interesting. Yeah. Well, and that goes back to the community. And, and yeah. so that way, when you see somebody out there, you know what they're doing, you know, right. who they are, you could even ask them, you know, or talk to them. Yeah. Hey, thanks for coming out. Or yeah. You know, yeah. I think relationships are important no matter they what. are. They are. I usually, I just tell my contractors, don't engage too much with homeowners. I hate to say that. Yeah. And I'm not saying that in a negative way because. Well, you still want your community members to go to you for something. Yes, because that can be very overwhelming. And a lot of times out of the goodness of the heart of a homeowner, they don't really know what that contractor is doing. Mm-hmm. And they may start talking about, I have weeds in my yard if they've got that kind of service. And uh... this contractor's like, I don't do that. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, there's also a relationship dynamic that has to be I don't want to say protected but respected Mm -hmm. well and I do know of other managers who won't let vendors talk to the board or to the community yeah I always found that kind of strange Mm -hmm. I don't know why that's just my personal opinion um I'd rather uh be very transparent other buzzword And, I need to get a soundboard so I can start yeah, making sounds. Transparent <laughs> or do shots. Um, no, but I mean, it's if I I haven't run into that. And I know there was a hesitancy years ago with one company I worked for that they didn't want the managers getting really involved. But I've had the privilege of having more senior communities to manage. And I'm sorry, that demographic, they uh, really look at you as part of them. Mm-hmm. I have found that more than sometimes uh, a younger dynamic. And I've had my husband and another manager come to a meeting one time because <laughs> if you would have, they were older gentlemen, they were setting up their big social thing they do every year. Mm-hmm. And I was, I told my husband, I said, they can't be lifting this stuff. Oh yeah. And let me tell you, those little older gentlemen were happy to lift it. But yeah. when I brought the you know, the Calvary people. in. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so that yeah. ended up getting frowned upon a little bit, but it actually in the long run strengthened the management relationship. So overall that contract with that company was uh-huh. more secure because yeah. they had never had that treatment before. Yeah. So I think I get that just from being in events and past life experience that, mm-hmm. you know, it doesn't hurt to help. Well, it's like people first. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I, I prefer relationships over mm-hmm. like formalities mm-hmm. of what needs to happen. Versus yeah. What and I think it happen. speaks well of a company in my experience, how mm-hmm. getting to know everybody that's, that is important to know. Um, if you have a director that comes to your meetings every once in a while, mm-hmm. um, that's great. You know, if you're that person and you want to bring your assistant, just so they can see what's going on. If you're lucky to have an assistant. Yeah. Um, same way I treat my contractors, you know, you yeah. want to come to the meeting? No, I go, well, come on, let's come to the meeting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's the only way we're going to work together. Yeah. Is yeah. Let's get it. Let's, let's do this. And it, and it's been very helpful. Yeah. Good. Oh yeah. Um, do you have any remaining questions about water management? 
or things that you want more information on? I think you, I think one thing that I always find interesting is I would get these, um, the pond looks awful and I would be like, okay, it just rained. So it's, you know, kind of stirred some stuff up. The one thing that hit me one time was, uh, as you said, what grows underneath was, um, the algae bloomed. Yeah. And came out of nowhere, came out of nowhere. And the homeowners were like, something's going on with this water. So I went down there and looked at it and I took some pictures. Sent it to her. Oh, that's it's blooming. And I go, well, I thought we kill that stuff. And they're like, no, it's the treatment time, blah, blah, blah on the cycle. So it's just like your pre-emergent post-emergent. I mean, there's a lot involved with it. Yeah. So I just think knowing an A to Z on ponds, mm-hmm. but every pond is different. Yeah. And you've got to have somebody good that you work with mm-hmm. and you have and to be trust. open to learn. Yeah. 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 And trust. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. The open to learn thing. So with the rains that just happened, those blooms came mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. some people were upset and it's like, well, that's the ecology yeah. of ponds as well as they think that algae moves. Like it's like an invasive species where mm-hmm. it was always oh, in this pond and now it's in this pond. So it's moving, but the reproductive structures of algae mm-hmm. is in every water body. Mm-hmm. They're microscopic. And so once the conditions arise, then it happens. And the, it has to be there. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just all part of yeah. how it works. Circle of life. Circle of life. Yes. Should Earth science. Go back and read that yeah. part of your book and well, I'm it so serve glad well. that somebody that's managing communities as well as like helping younger community managers figure it out, knows so much about pond and lake management where, I mean, you've had to experience it before and mm-hmm. you had to learn what you didn't know. And now you can share that knowledge. And yeah, I like talking to community managers because I can bring like the science level down mm-hmm. so that it's not overwhelming. But the way that you're saying things is like, really great yeah I grew up on a cattle ranch too so we're both farm girls yeah so I mean that that has served me well yeah so I can drive a tractor I can drive a skidster I can string a barbed wire fence I have all these little all these little things I can do you probably love when you're doing something moving something someone's like oh can I help you with that yeah yeah oh no I got it yeah yeah got a toolkit in the car got mutters in the car you know that's one thing the shoe collection grows in your car when you're a manager because you just don't know what you may have to do and i you know i'll pick up trash sometimes remove a dead animal i mean hey oh, i know yeah yeah so next time i have a dead animal in my apartment you know you if i have to yes I, <laughs> that's just kind of like okay yeah well thank you so much for talking with me well this today. has been fun and uh yeah yeah i hope we get to do this again it'd be kind of interesting to see how this evolves yeah and then i'll be on your podcast when you make one that could be fun or we can co-make one yeah yeah that'd be really great and get some more vendors involved and yeah yeah kind of learn learn what you guys think and how we can work with you better yeah i think it's an important thing as well perfect you just have to think of a name because that pond girl's taken Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah okay so yeah i'm gonna have to think about that one 